0: We'll read now the Word of God in Second Corinthians 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart, then such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. (coughs) Excuse me. Seeing then that we have such hope We use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ." That even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That last verse, verse 18, is our text this evening. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What would you think, my dear fellow believers, what would you think of a mirror that when you looked in it changed you? in whatever ways you want it. Maybe I should ask, what would you pay for a mirror like that? You look in the mirror and your hair color changes to blonde or black or whatever you want. Or if you're going bald, you look in the mirror and suddenly you have a full head of hair. That would be quite a mirror, wouldn't it? Did you know that's the Word of God here in Second Corinthians 3 verse 18 that we have that kind of a mirror? Only, of course, it changes not our outward appearance, but it changes us spiritually. It's called... A glass here in second Corinthians three verse eighteen, we would probably say a looking glass, but the reference is to a mirror, a mirror which changes us. We all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what we're going to look at this evening. Not so much at that mirror as at the change which is worked by that mirror, the spiritual change or transformation Change that is beyond anything we could imagine or want as far as our physical appearance is concerned. I want you to think first of all about what we see in that mirror. We're going to talk about what it is, but also what we see in that mirror. We're changed. The Word of God says, when we behold in that mirror the glory of the Lord. And then we're going to talk about the fact that that change, a marvelous change, is a change into the same image from glory to glory. And we're going to end by talking about the work of the Spirit of the Lord, which is mentioned at the end of this verse. So if I ask you what this mirror is, would you be able to answer? What's this remarkable, priceless mirror that works this spiritual transformation of which the Word of God speaks? It's not so difficult to answer that question. If you look back here in chapter 3 and further back to chapters 1 and 2, you'll find that Paul is talking about the preaching of God's Word. When we hear the preaching then it's like looking into a mirror. A mirror, we'll talk about that in a moment. A mirror in which we see something that we wouldn't ever expect to see in any earthly mirror. But a mirror which changes us, transforms, forms us in a way that every one of us needs. Do you know what we see in that mirror? That's the second question. The mirror is the preaching of the Word that's clear from the context. That's the subject of these chapters. But what do we see in this mirror? The answer here is not your own face. James 1 also describes the Word of God and the preaching of the Word as a mirror and talks about the fact that we see our spiritual face in that mirror. And that's here too. But the emphasis is on the fact that we see another face in this mirror. We see in the mirror of the preaching of the Word of God the face of Christ. That's why we come to church and why we put ourselves under the preaching of the Word that in that mirror of the preaching, we may see what the text calls the glory of the Lord. The glory of Christ as the Son of God, but also as the One who is like us in all things except sin. The glory of Christ crucified. There was never a death in all the history of the world, as glorious as His. Never a death with such eternal consequences as His. We see in that mirror the glory of His resurrection. His glory is the one who's exalted to God's right hand. His glory is the one who is working all things toward the end and coming again in all the glory of His heavenly Father. That's what we see in that mirror. And that has implications too for those who bring the gospel. In a very real way, that means that the minister's only calling is not to be popular, or anything like that. But his only calling is to hold up that mirror and to hold it up in such a way that God's people see in that mirror the glory of the Lord. And the emphasis is on the fact too that they are God's people. That's why the Apostle Paul uses that word Lord here that emphasizes the fact that by His glory, the glory of His cross and resurrection, He has purchased us and made us His own property. That's the calling of the minister. And that's why Paul says, in these epistles to the Corinthians, that he was determined to preach nothing among them but Christ and Him crucified. Nothing else worth seeing in that mirror. But that's the reason, too, why you, when your own minister's preaching or anyone else, have to insist, insist that he preaches Christ. That when you look into that mirror of the preaching of the Word, you see the glory of the Lord. You have to say what those Greeks said to Philip just before Jesus was crucified. Say that to your own pastor. Sir, we would see Jesus. But that's a remarkable mirror, isn't it? You look in it and you see the glory of the Lord. But that is what changes you and me when we look into that mirror. Not the mirror itself, but the glory of the Lord reflected in that mirror when the word is preached, now, the Word of God uses when it talks about that transformation or change, a very a very beautiful word, a word that some of you children will have learned in school, probably in your science classes. It's the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. We, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are metamorphosed. That's what the Word of God says literally. And that's the word those of you who know that from science classes you will remember that's the word that's used to describe the change that takes place when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly when a worm turns into one of the most beautiful of god's creatures That's what happens to us when we look into that mirror. We are changed spiritually in the same way that that lowliest of God's creatures is changed. And so you'll agree with me, I think, that there is no mirror like this But what a wonderful thing that God in the preaching of the Word has given us a mirror like that. And what a reason for us to be looking into that mirror as often as we possibly can and not to neglect the opportunities that God gives us to see in that mirror the glory of the Lord. That change is further described by those words, into the same image. And from glory to glory. When The Word of God says that we're changed into the same image. Then it's talking about the fact that we become, under the preaching of the gospel, by the glory of the Lord, we become Christ-like. We begin to look a little bit from a spiritual point of view like the Lord whose image we see in that mirror, into the same image, we become Christ-like husbands. And I don't think there's a wife in the congregation who doesn't want a husband like that. Christ-like wives, Christ-like children, that's why you children are here. You don't always understand and follow the sermons, but your parents are here so that you can see in the mirror of the preaching of the Word of God something of the glory of Christ our Lord. And their prayer is, when they bring you here, that that will transform you and make you Christ-like. Like like Him as He's described in, in Luke chapter... Chapter 3, is it? Yes. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The Word of God works that transformation when it's preached and becomes the glass of which the Word of God speaks here. From glory to glory, the Word of God adds. And it's it's like the Word of God is piling descriptions of this mirror and of its wonderful properties on top of each other. First by using that word change, then by speaking of the fact that we're changed into the same image, and then also with those words from glory to glory. You know what that means? It means, and that in itself is a wonderful thing, means that you have already Under the preaching of the word, been changed and transformed. You wouldn't even be here otherwise, of course. That's glory. You're here as those who have already begun to resemble. Our Lord. We sometimes forget that when we look at each other. We focus not on God's work in one another and what we see of God's work in one another, but we focus on the failures and the sins and the shortcomings and all of the rest. Sometimes can't even see anything but that. But every child of God has already been transformed, gloriously transformed. First of all, of course, through the work of regeneration. When we're born again, then that transformation begins. And I would like you to remember too when you think of regeneration, Of the fact, we use that big word, but would like you to think of the fact that regeneration is the planting of the glory of Christ in the hearts of God's people. Christ risen from the dead, Christ crucified is in them through the work of regeneration. And that's the beginning of their glory. From that point of view, a child of God is completely different from the world around him and of course must maintain that difference too. But he's He has in him that glory of the Lord. And the work of the Spirit in sanctification makes him even more glorious. He becomes, though only with the beginning of new obedience, he becomes holy. Like God's holy Son, and begins to resemble Christ in that respect. That's what the whole work of salvation is about. And it's with that in mind, too, that the text talks about glory from glory. To glory, because that glory grows and increases in the child of God. Until finally, when he's raised from the dead in the great day of resurrection, even his body becomes like the body of Christ. These vile bodies, Paul says in Philippians are changed into the likeness of His most glorious body. That's from glory to glory. Begins in this life and ends in eternity. And when it ends, then we are ready, each of us, to be with our glorious Lord. Forever. That's the spiritual transformation that is worked by the preaching of the Word. It's hard to understand that, whether you're a preacher or a member of the congregation, that God works that transformation through such, such impossible means. The preaching of the word by men who are themselves weak and sinful. But that's the reason too, of course, why he doesn't give them any more responsibility. They don't have to change us. They're not the ones who are responsible for changing what we think, how we act. That's way beyond their ability. And so God makes them just mirror holders in His kingdom. But even that's a remarkable thing. Weak and sinful men should be used to hold up to us that mirror even more remarkable is the fact that the preaching of the gospel is that mirror paul talks about that too and especially in first corinthians those first chapters of first corinthians He calls the preaching of the word their foolishness. We preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And he goes on to say that that's God's way of showing that his foolishness, Paul actually uses that language, God's foolishness is still wiser than men. And that God's weakness is still stronger than men. But that must be that must determine your attitude toward the preaching. You mustn't focus on those who bring the Word of God. You mustn't focus on the fact that they don't always speak in a way that's easy to follow or clear. You mustn't focus on the fact that they can be difficult to get along with not very likable in their personalities, not everything you would expect of a minister of the gospel. that you have to come and put yourself under the preaching of the gospel with a view to seeing the glory of the Lord. And if they show you the glory of the Lord, in holding up that mirror of the preaching of the gospel, then you must be content because that is what works, the spiritual transformation. There's a lot we can say about that. That's true, and here you have to put the idea of a mirror aside. That's true because Christ speaks through the preaching of the gospel. There aren't many Christians that understand that. You and I take that almost for granted and have heard that in our churches many, many times. But Christ speaks so that in the preaching of the gospel, His words in John 10 come true my sheep, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And it has to be that way because the voice of a man is powerless. I can't comfort you. I can't help you. I can't show you the way, Christ has to do that. And that's why he speaks through the preaching of the Word. But that's what the Word of God is all about here, about the fact, using a different a different figure entirely, that in the preaching of the Word, we see Jesus. And are never again the same. Cannot possibly be the same. After seeing His glory. Husbands. Are different. From other husbands. Wives. Fathers. Mothers, children. Different in our relationships to one another in the church. Different even in the way we do our daily work. And I tell you, the world sees that difference. When you put in an honest day's labor, For whatever wages you receive, they notice that, that difference. And so it is with the whole of the life of the child of God. We don't see that difference ourselves so clearly. One day to the next seems so often the same. Same problems, same difficulties, same me. But I trust, my dear friends, that if you look back over the years of your life, you will see that the Word of God speaks true here in Second Corinthians 3.18. That there is a change. That you are not the same as you were. That you have been transformed By the glory of the Lord. From glory to glory. And I trust too that you see that in all those different relationships and responsibilities that God gives you. Paul takes it for granted that we do. He doesn't say here, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, this is the way it ought to be. But he says, We all, we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Now there's a great deal of change that must still take place. And until that work of grace is finished, we're not ready to go to be with our Lord. But we are changed. You are. I am. When we behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord. that's true you agree with me don't you agree with the word of god don't you <coughs> but there's one more thing in the passage and that's those last words of the verse, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, that's a reminder of the fact that this change through the preaching of the Word, as we look into the mirror of God's Word through the preaching, that this change doesn't just happen automatically. It needs the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul not only speaks of the Spirit of the Lord, but uses that rather strange expression, we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed." That word "open" refers back to what Paul has been talking about in the rest of the chapter, especially in verses oh, verses verses twelve and following. He makes reference there to the story of what happened at Mount Sinai. When Moses, for 40 days and 40 nights, was in the presence of God. And coming down from the mountain, discovered, as the children of Israel also did, that his face shone with the glory of God. And you remember the story, the Israelites asked him to put a veil over his face because they couldn't stand the radiance of God's glory in the face of Moses. He had to put a veil over his face to hide that glory from them. But Paul says the veil was not really on Moses' face. The veil was on their Hearts. And Paul says it still is on their hearts. That's verse 15. Even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. That means that even when the Word of God, like a mirror, is held up to them, they can't see in that mirror. Never could see. Unbelieving Israel couldn't. Never could see the glory of Christ. That's the reason, for example, Why, on the day after the Passover, after they had killed the Passover lamb and eaten it, they could not see that Christ was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Could not see in His miracles the power of God. still don't recognize Him and are still waiting for the promised Messiah. Sad, isn't it? But Paul also says that the reason why we can see the glory of the Lord when the Word of God is preached to us and we see the glory of Christ in that mirror The reason we can see it is the work of the Spirit. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's why when the Word is preached, The work and presence and power of the Holy Spirit are so utterly necessary. If it were not for the work of the Spirit, you and I would sit here every Lord's Day under the preaching of the Gospel like those Jews. Blind to everything that the Word of God has to say of the glory of Christ So you must be thankful for that mirror not always not always critical of the fact that that mirror is held up by men who don't meet your expectations must be thankful for them, in their calling as mirror holders, but especially thankful for the preaching of the Word, but must be thankful too, and must pray for the work of the spirit of God, when you come here on the Lord's day, you must pray that he will take the veil from the hearts of your children. That he will take the veil of unbelief and hardness of heart away from your own eyes and hearts. And that you will see that in the preaching of the gospel, the glory of the Lord. And I am certain if I am certain of nothing else, I'm certain of this that you have seen it. And really never want to see anything else again. And that that is the reason why you are here, Lord's Day after Lord's Day. Because there is nothing else is there in all the world worth seeing but the glory of Christ. Christ the Son of God. Christ made like us in all things except sin. Christ crucified and risen again. Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from before the foundations of the world. Christ seated at the right hand of His heavenly Father. Christ coming again in all the glory of His heavenly Father. That's why you're here. I trust it so. May God grant it always. Amen. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the transforming power of thy word. For we are nothing in ourselves. Lost sinners who can never find our way to peace and safety and blessedness in the kingdom of God. Thou hast not only given us eyes to see the glory of Christ, but dost show us his glory over and over and over again until we are changed body and soul into the same image and are fit to be with him forever forgive the sins that have been committed in speaking of these holy things forgive the sins we commit when we are slow to hear and understand forgive us every sin and transgression for his sake in whose name we pray amen